Welcome to the Northwood Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Tommy Metter, lead pastor of Northwood Baptist Church in North Charleston, South Carolina. Hey, if you're listening today, I know exactly what you need. You need hope and encouragement. And my prayer is that the message you are about to hear will help you find hope and encouragement in a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'd like to learn more about our church, visit our website, northwoodbaptist.com, or follow us on Facebook. Now, get ready for a message that will help you connect faith to life. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn back to the Gospel of John. We're in John chapter 10 this morning. John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21. John 10, 11 through 21 is where we're going to spend our time together. If you're new to the Bible, John is not hard to find all. Just go to the New Testament and find the first book of the New Testament, Matthew. Then go Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're right there, John 10, 11 through 21. If you don't own a Bible, that's okay because in the seat before you, in the book rack, you should find a copy of the Bible. Take that Bible and find John with us. And if you don't own a Bible, take that Bible home with you and read it and learn about the God who loves you and desires a relationship with you. I just forgot to tell you as you came in this morning, if you did come prepared to give this morning, you can do that as you walk out this morning. We'll have ushers at the doors who are ready to take the offering that you brought this morning. If you're watching online, thank you so much for joining us online this morning. We're so glad that you are uh, viewing us. You can always contribute to our church by going to northwoodbabs.com. If you don't mind, if you're online or in the room, we always love it when you share this uh, live stream on your Facebook feed to get a message of hope and encouragement out to our community. So you can do that for us right now and we'd appreciate it. And if you're watching us online, church, wouldn't you agree? And God is at work in the life of our church, isn't he? And so if you're watching online, you need to get here. I mean, I know you're there and I I hear you, but man, I would invite you to come and be with us in person when you are able to, because man, God is at work in the life of our church and we're so excited about what he's doing and we'd love for you to be a part of it. So if you have the opportunity, come and join us on a Sunday morning. John 10, 11 through 21. Let me ask you this question as you're continuing to find that in your Bible. Who's ready for Tuesday to be over with? I mean, praise the Lord, right? Oh, it can't get here fast enough. Um, I, I know you're like me, that you've probably been on social media some this week, and you've seen all kinds of things, good and bad and ugly on social media. Um, I, I saw this picture. Maybe you saw this as well. This is, I thought was really, really interesting. So, so this guy on um, my right, that's probably your left, is um, Ralph Lincoln. Ralph Lincoln is the cousin of Abraham Lincoln 11 generations later. Isn't that wild? So he knows him. Not not knows me personally, but he's part of the family. And so uh, Ralph Lincoln has this uncanny resemblance to his cousin, Abraham Lincoln. And so what Ralph Lincoln does, because he's Abraham Lincoln's cousin, I mean, you can imagine it, born into fame. I mean, he's Abraham Lincoln's cousin. And so he goes around the country and he talks about his cousin and he educates people about Abraham Lincoln and what he did for our nation and all those kinds of things. But can you imagine? I mean, the dude looks just like him. Man, that's, that's wild, right? And, and now he's making a fortune just because he looks like his cousin, you know, 11 generations ago. But, but here's the reality, and you know this, I don't have to tell you this, that, that, that while Ralph Lincoln looks like his cousin, And while Ralph Lincoln has studied a lot about his cousin and even goes around the nation teaching other people about his cousin and and what Abe Lincoln accomplished as president of the United States, even though he does all those things, you know, like I know that Ralph Lincoln doesn't really know Abraham Lincoln. Doesn't have a clue. They've never met. In fact, I would go so far to say that, you know, 
back in the day when Abraham Lincoln was in the White House, walking around, making important decisions that would affect the future of our country, I bet you one time he did not stay up late at night wondering, I wonder 11 generations from now who my cousin's going to be, right? Just didn't. He doesn't know him. Ralph doesn't know Abe. Abe never had a thought about Ralph. We're in the middle of a sermon series that we've called Jesus Is. We're in the Gospel of John. Now watch this. Jesus makes seven statements. Seven statements that begin with two words. I am. And when Jesus makes these statements, it's a reminder of what happened back in Exodus chapter 3. When, when Moses was before the burning bush and, and God revealed himself to Moses and, and Moses asked God the question, what is your name? And God said to, Abra- excuse me, to Moses, I am who I am. I am. And so every time Jesus says, I am, he's saying to us, I'm he. I'm God. Now, now, now watch this. I want to make sure you understand this before we get into the text. These seven I am statements, you know what Jesus did not say? He didn't say, I was. Now he was. He's always been. He's eternal. But in these seven statements, Jesus does not say, I was. Nor does he say, I will be. Now he will be. Because he's eternal and he's going to return for us. He will be forever and ever. But he doesn't say, I was, nor does he say, I will be. He says, present tense, I am. Right now, today, 2,000 years later, do you know who Jesus still is? I am. He is the I was and he is the will be. But important for you to know right now in this room this morning, he is the I am. Ralph Lincoln didn't know Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln didn't know Ralph Lincoln, but Jesus knows you. Today, now, present tense, because he is the I am who's called you into a relationship with himself. And so we're looking at this wonderful statement that Jesus makes. And I think it's a timely statement because of what's going to happen in our country this week. In this statement in John's gospel that we're looking at this morning, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Oh, we need a leader, don't we? And Tuesday, we're going to elect a leader of this great nation. And whether it's Donald Trump or whether it's Joe Biden, I guarantee you this, they don't know you, nor do they really care about you. But I'm telling you right now, sitting on his throne is the one who rules and leads over this entire universe. And he knows you and he cares about you because he is the I am. And so I want to show you this morning from John 10 verses 11 through 21, why you need a relationship. Two reasons why you need the great I am who is the good shepherd. Because I know and you know that when I know the I am, it changes who I am, right? Take your Bibles, John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21. When you find that, go ahead and rise to your feet as we honor the reading of God's word together. John 10, verses 11 through 21. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. 
I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep, but I have other sheep. They're not from the sheep pen. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. Then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my father. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you this morning that in this moment, in this room right now, we are experiencing the great I am speaking to us. We hear your voice this morning. You're calling out to us. You're calling us to follow you, to trust you. And we thank you, Jesus, that you are a good leader, a good and faithful leader. And and no matter what happens this week in our nation, nothing will change the reality that you are on the throne, reigning and ruling. And nothing will change the reality that you want to know us. You want us to know you. And so, Father, this morning, as we spend time together in your word, help us to listen carefully to what you're saying to us. And help us respond to your word this morning in faith and obedience, I ask. And ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a seat. I am the good shepherd. What an amazing statement. And especially in the time in which Jesus lived. Because you know this, in those days in the first century, man, the the Jewish people, they longed for a shepherd. They had a king, his name was Herod, but he was terrible. Nobody liked King Herod because he was a, a puppet king for the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire oppressed the people. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be a a Jewish person walking the streets of Jerusalem and seeing Roman soldiers in your city? I mean, it would be like us walking the streets of Charleston and seeing, you know, Russian soldiers here. I mean, who wants that? The people needed a leader, a leader like David, a, a leader like Joshua, a leader like Moses. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but, but several weeks ago when we began this theory, series and we looked at that first I am statement where Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Do you remember that? Right before he made that statement, he had performed an amazing miracle where he fed thousands of people from a few pieces of bread and fish. And, and right before he did that miracle in Mark 6, verse 34, Mark tells us that he, he looked out on the thousands of people that were there. I mean, I imagine the scene. It was a a much more significant scene than a Donald Trump rally, right? Thousands upon thousands of people were there. He looked out, and the Bible says he looked with compassion because the people were like sheep without a shepherd. And you remember last week when when Jesus healed this blind man, and and after he healed this blind man, how the the Pharisees couldn't believe it. And they certainly did not want to believe that Jesus had anything to do with it. And so they excommunicated this blind man from the Jewish faith. Do you remember that? And and so Jesus gathers together with this blind man and some others. And and, and, and I don't know if it exactly happened this way, but I imagine that that he put his, his hand on the shoulder of that formerly blind man. I'm the gate. You want to find life? It's in me. Walk through the gate. I'll give you abundant life. And now in that same conversation, in that same conversation, Jesus looks at the blind man and looks at the others who were there that day. And he says, not only am I the gate, I am 
the good shepherd. The Pharisees weren't shepherds. In the the first part of, of John chapter 10, Jesus already described them as thieves and robbers. They were standing in the way of what God was doing through his son, Jesus. They were thieves and robbers. And Jesus goes on to say in these verses, we just read it, that he was not a hired hand. It wasn't as if the heavenly father sent his son, Jesus, just to check on people. You see? To see how it was going with their body. He wasn't a hired hand. I brought a picture, and some of you were with me back in February, and hopefully this will pop up. Uh, and some of you saw this on social media this week. When we were back in Israel in February, we had to, the, 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 to travel from Jerusalem down to the Dead Sea area, and we saw this, this flock of sheep being led by a shepherd and a hired hand. A hired hand is, is someone who assists the shepherd, but when push comes to shove, you know what the hired hand cares about? Getting paid. And so, so if wolves come to attack, that hired hand, you know what he's going to do? He's leaving, right? And Jesus says, that's not me. I am the good shepherd. Now, now let me show you something in the Bible. We just read it, but I want to make sure you, you get this. Look at what it says. Come down to verse 14. You might want to underline this phrase. He says, I am the good shepherd. I, what does it say? I know my own. Well, that's good. Jesus says it, does he not? He says it to you. He says it to me. I know my own. The God of all creation, the great I am, the one who was and is and will be, he knows you. And the question that that I would have for you this morning and the question I ask of myself is why does Jesus want to know me? I mean, after all, he's the God of the universe. And, and, and the way that, 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 that you, you read the language of the New Testament, this phrase, I, I know my own, it's not like a, a casual, superficial, I met you a few weeks ago kind of thing. It's, it's I know you intimately, and I, I want to know you intimately. And, 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 and the question for me and the question for you should be, why does Jesus care? Why does he want to know me? Especially when you stop and think about who you are. Now, I know in part we come to church on Sunday mornings because we want to feel good about life, right? We want to know that God loves us and everything's going to be okay. And we're going to get to all that in just a moment. But, but I, I need to tell you some things this morning that, that might insult you just a little bit, okay? So just bear with me. Bear with me. We're going to just don't throw anything at me quite yet, okay? Why does Jesus want to know you? Why does Jesus want to know me? Because here's something I know about you and here's something I know about me. You're not very smart, right? You think you are. I think I am. I mean, you went to school. I went to school. You got some degrees. I mean, you've made, you know, some, some money because you used your degrees. I mean, you think you're a smart cookie, right? But, but you're not. Now, I'll tell you how I know that. Because every one of us in this room, here's what you'll do. You'll look back over your life and you'll think, now watch this, you'll think of some choices you've made, <laughs> some decisions you made when you were a teenager, when you were in your early 20s, your 30s, or even yesterday. And you'll say something like this, every one of us, I was really dumb, right? Man, if we were to go around this room today and everyone had the opportunity to share the dumbest thing you've ever done, oh, can you imagine the stories we would hear? We'd laugh, we'd cry, we wouldn't know what to do because we all have made just really, really dumb choices over the course of our lives. You're not very smart, I'm sorry. I mean, if you think about it in scripture, 
the Bible often compares people to sheep, right? Because whether it's true or not, whether it's deserved or not, sheep had a reputation of being what? Pretty dumb. Sheep are prone to wander. They lose their sense of direction uh, pretty easily. Sheep aren't the smartest animals according to reputation. And if you're real honest, you ain't that smart either. I'm not. We all look back over the course of our lives and, man, we've really done some dumb things because that's what sin does. The sin that is within us causes us to do dumb things. And so why would Jesus want to know you? Because you're not that smart. And and now watch this. This might offend you too. You're not very nice. Right? I mean, just be honest. You're not. I mean, I I know we're sociable. And if you think about sheep in the ancient world, they were sociable creatures as well. They they traveled in packs. They grazed together and all those things. But, But you know the truth about sheep or any animal for that matter. An animal is an animal. And at the end of the day, an animal wants what an animal wants. And at the end of the day, an animal will kill another animal to get what that animal wants. And just think about it. I know we're sociable. I know we say nice things to each other and we we smile a lot and we wave and shake hands and hug and all those things. But but if somebody crosses you, somebody does something to offend you, that self-centered, unkind, mean, vindictive person that lives deep down within you rears its ugly head, right? And and I I know you, you don't want to think about this and I don't either, but if you look back over the course of your life and you think about all the relationships you've been blessed to have and the people you've known and the friendships you've had, you'd probably say like I do, there are some things I wish I wouldn't have said because it really hurts my relationships. There are some ways that I've treated some people that I wish I wouldn't have done. I mean, I I know, uh, hopefully you're like me, we're growing. We're growing in Christ's likeness and and hopefully you're like me, you're becoming nicer, right? You're becoming a person of patience and kindness and goodness and self-control and forgiveness and all those things. But, But let's just be honest. You're not that smart and you're not that nice. Yet, Jesus desires to know you. Give me one more. Let me give you one more. You're not very sufficient. What I mean by that is, come on, let's be honest. You're pretty helpless, right? I mean, sheep, that's what they have a reputation of being is, is pretty helpless. They, they have to have a shepherd to protect them and to, to lead them. And, 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 and they're not able to defend themselves. I mean, that's why they were always worried about wolves coming in and attacking the sheep just helpless. And and let's be honest, we're not much different. How many times over the course of your life have have you said or have you thought, man, I really need some help? I mean, go to the bookstore. You go to the bookstore, there's shelf after shelf of what? Self-help books, right? Read some Joel Osteen, read some Oprah Winfrey, read some Dr. Phil. You pick. You read those books, they're going to help you have a better life. We all know it intuitively that we all need help. We're not very nice. We're not very smart. We all need help. So so if, if we're insufficient, if we're vindictive to the core at times, and if we're just really not that bright and always make dumb decisions, why would Jesus want to know us? 
Why does Jesus desire to know us? Why does Jesus long to have a relationship with you and a relationship with me? Why does he want to know us? Oh, it's very simple. And you know this. I don't have to tell you, but you need to be reminded. Do you know why? You know why Jesus wants to know you in spite of who you are, in spite of who I am? Do you know? Because now watch this. You are valuable to him. That's it. Pack it up. Let's go home. Not yet, but, but you understand that, that you're valuable to him. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says that you, not the sheep, not the birds of the air, not the other animals of the fields, you, you, me, we were made in the image of God. You might not feel very valuable at times. You might feel rather worthless at times. But the truth of the scripture is, is, is God has made you in his image. He has instilled in you intrinsic value and intrinsic worth. And if you think about it, this makes sense in what Jesus is saying. Because, because Jesus is saying, I am the shepherd of my sheep. In the ancient world, now watch this. There was no creature as valuable as sheep. As dumb as they were, right? As mean as they could be, as helpless as they were, nothing was as valuable as a sheep. Do you know why? Their wool, their meat. And in in ancient Israel, a sheep was a sacrificial animal. Man, can you imagine if you were a shepherd and you had a a, a flock of sheep, the, the value that that flock of sheep represented, no wonder a shepherd was willing to leave the 99 to go after the one because of the inherent value of sheep. And I'm just telling you uh, that, that what God says about you is that, that you are valuable to him in spite of who you are, in spite of what you've done, you're valuable to him. I, I brought something I want to show you this morning. Uh, my, my youngest son Hudson gave this to me. Uh, he, he's gotten really into drawing lately. Like he's got this little red notebook he walks around with and he draws little pictures and, 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 and I think it's great, right? And so, so he's been drawing pictures left and right and, and he, he gave me this picture because Hudson's got a, a very generous heart. That's just kind of who he is. He's always giving us stuff. And even last night after we went trick-or-treating, we came home and he said, Daddy, you can have whatever you want out of my basket. That's a good kid. Luke didn't say that, but Hudson did, right? And so, 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 so he's just a very generous kid. And so, so the other night, he, after he got done drawing, he, he, brought me, uh, he brought me this picture. It's great, isn't it? You don't have a clue what it is, do you? Neither did I. And so, so I said, you know, I, I want to encourage his artistic abilities. And I said, Hudson, that, that's really great. I like the blue. And wh- what is it? Can you, can you tell me what it is, buddy? I mean, I love you. just don't know what it is. And he said, he said, Daddy, it's a toilet. I said, okay. Thanks a lot. Right? I don't know what that says about him or our relationship, but he gave me a toilet. And, and so, so, so then, now, now watch this. It gets even better. Come to find out, like all last week, that's all he was drawing was toilets. Like he's got this notebook just full of toilets, like, like just toilet after toilet after toilet, like 40 or 50 toilets he's drawn over the last week. And I'm like, like, what in the world? There's all kinds of things to draw in this world, like draw a picture of your family, you know, draw some trees, some flowers, some birds. I mean, toilets? Why are you drawing toilets? So I asked him, son, I mean, what's going on? What's up with the toilets? Why are you drawing toilets? And, and all he said was, daddy, I just think it's funny. I'm like, Okay, well, I guess you got a point. I, but but here's, here's the deal. I, you're like me. You've got kids or you've got grandkids. And, and here's what you know about your kids or grandkids. 
you ain't got a clue what they're thinking. Like, what in the world? Why, why do they do the things they do? And, 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 and you know this, right? You have kids or grandkids, you're always wondering, why, why can't they just get through their thick heads? Or, or, or why can't they listen? Or why can't they draw something besides a toilet? I mean, what's going on, right? We're always trying to figure out what's going on with our kids. But, but here's, here's what I know, and here's what you know. Regardless of the silly things your kids do, regardless of the dumb decisions they make, regardless of sometimes their outright rebellion, you know what it doesn't change? their value in your eyes, right? Because there's not one of you, I know this. There's not one of you that that your kid did something dumb. And because they said, you said, well, that was really dumb. Find somewhere else to live, you're out of the family. You don't do that. You love them because your child, your grandchildren, regardless of who they are, regardless of what they've done, they have value in your eyes. Now, now, this is what's so interesting. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, Jesus knows. He knows you're not too smart. He, he knows you're not sufficient. He knows you're not very nice. But in spite of everything you are, you have value to him. Now, so much, so listen to what it says. This is so good. You come down to verse 14 again. I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me, I know my own. Listen to what it says. I lay down my life for the sheep. You come down, look what it says. It says it again. Verse 17. This is why the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. Now, come on. That should shock you. And I'm sure that, that if you were there that day in that audience as Jesus taught, it would have shocked you in that first century culture. Do you know Why? Shepherds do not lay down their lives for sheep. Do you know who dies? Sheep. That's the whole reason why you raise a sheep. So you can slaughter it for its meat. So you can offer it as a sacrifice. Do you understand what I'm saying? Shepherds don't lay down their lives for sheep. They slaughter the sheep. They sacrifice the sheep. They kill the sheep and sell us meat so they can have the money. But Jesus says, I lay down my life for the sheep. Listen, listen, come back. Look at what it says in, in, in Isaiah chapter 53. You know these verses. In Isaiah 53, Isaiah is prophesying about a suffering servant. He's prophesying about Jesus. And look at what it says. And you know this, you relate to this. We all went astray like sheep, did we not? We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished Jesus for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. And like a sheep before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. Oh, my friend. Do you see? The God of all creation, the good shepherd came to this earth and he became the sacrificial lamb. He took the punishment that you deserve. He took your sin upon himself. He was crushed for your iniquities. He was beaten for your transgressions. He died in your place. And and notice what Jesus says here in John chapter 10. He says, listen, I do this of my own will. It's not the religious leaders that are going to kill me. It's not the Romans that are going to kill me. 
No, of my own will, because I love you, because you're valuable to me. I am going to lay down my life for you because you are a sinner. You are a sinner and you're condemned to death. And I don't want that for you. I want you to experience life abundant and eternal. And so I'm going to give my life for you. I'm going to take your sin upon myself. I'm going to suffer what you deserve. And not only that, I'm going to rise from the dead three days later to secure for you abundant and eternal life because I am God, the good shepherd right now for you. Do you see? My friend Jesus knows you. In spite of who you are, in spite of what you've done, in spite of the mistakes you made, Jesus knows you and knowing you went to a cross and died for you and rose again for you because you're valuable to him. You see, why do you need a shepherd? You need this shepherd because he knows you. And you also need this shepherd because he is known by you. Now, we started to talk about this a little bit last week, and we just want to have a few minutes, so just hang tight with me. Look at what it says. Come back to, to John chapter 10, verse 14. Look at what it says again. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, now watch this, and my own know me. We talked about last week where where Jesus said, right? The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. And you know that voice. For many of us in this room who've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, you remember the day, we talked about this last week. You remember the day when Jesus called you, when you heard his voice and you gave your life to him. You know what it's like to hear his voice when you read the scripture and study his word. You know what it's like to hear his voice when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and he's there to comfort you and lead you. You know his voice. Now, we oftentimes resist his voice, but we know his voice. And even this morning, right now in this room, there are those of us who right now are hearing the voice of God speak to us. Come, come to me. I know his voice. And I know it's hard for me because I know his voice and I know what he says. I know it's hard for me. He is a shepherd who longs to know me. He longs for me to have an intimate relationship with him. He longs for me to accept his leadership in my life and to surrender to him. And because, now watch this, now watch this. Because I know Jesus' heart, I'm going to let him lead me comprehensively. Now, now, Now let's stop right there for a moment. Let's camp out here. Lead me comprehensively. A couple weeks ago, Stacy and I went to um, Hall's Chop House. You've been there before? So I had to take out a car loan. To get, no, I'm kidding. Um, so so someone, had, someone had given us a gift card because preachers don't go to those kinds of places, right? So someone had given us a gift card, and so we went to Hall's Chop House. Never been there before. I like steak, but you know, I mean, steak's expensive, and so my favorite form of steak is ground beef, right? So we are there, the Hall's Chop House, and, and they bring out this menu. And on this menu, are all kinds of different steaks you can get. And things about steak that I didn't even know, right? I mean, I just go to you know, the grocery store and get me a steak and come home and grill it, and that's the end of it. But, but, but there you can get a, a wet-aged steak. I don't even know what that means, but you can get a wet-aged steak, or you can get a dry-aged steak. Or There's all these options of how they age their steaks. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. It's just a steak to me, but whatever. And so, so I'm looking at the menu. The waitress is there. I'm thinking, you got to help me decide because I've got all these options and, and I want something good. So help me know which one to get. And so she recommended a 16 ounce wet aged ribeye. Oh, my friend. And then, then I said, I'll take that. And then she said, well, now watch this. How do you want it cut? I'm like, that's an option? Like, you got the, the cow back there. I mean, what, what's that even mean? How do you want it cut? 
Esther said, you can, we can cut it this way, we can cut it this way, cut it this way, like, just surprise me. I mean, just bring me some good meat, right? And, and then after she asked how I want it cut, she said, now, I, I'm familiar with this question. How do you want it cooked? Well, that's pretty easy. I want it red, right? It's red meat, so make it red. And then like, so for me, I usually get my steak medium. And so, so, so I told her medium, and I'm like, well, what parts of the meat do you want red and what part not? I'm like, seriously? So I, don't, I don't know. It's just like beyond me, right? And so, so after like a 10-minute conversation of picking the steak and how to cook it and how to cut it and all that, uh, we waited and, and then, and then, right? The angels in heaven began singing. And, and with this angelic glow, the waitress comes out and puts this slab of meat, this glorious slab of meat before me. I didn't even need a knife. I took that fork and it just cut so, so smoothly. I put that steak in my mouth and, and, and all the world rejoiced. <laughs> it was unbelievable. But, but, but here's the deal. When I sat down at that restaurant, you know what I had? Lots of options. Do I want this kind of meat? This kind of steak? How do I want it cut? How do I want it cooked? What do I want on top of it? All kinds of options. And, and here's what I've discovered, and maybe you've discovered this as well. Here's what I've discovered about the Christian life. We tend to treat Jesus like a menu at a five-star restaurant. What are my options? Right? Because you know, you know, right? You know where you need some help. You know where in your life you need Jesus to do something for you. Jesus, what are my options? I I need some help over here in my marriage. Can you help me here? Or Jesus, I need some help in in my finances. Can you help me, you know, maybe get a better job or take care of some bills for me? Or I I need some help with my kids. Can you give me some wisdom there? I I need some help at school. Can you you help me there? And so so Jesus, show me the options. I know you're able to help me. What are the options? How, how, How can you serve me? And we see Jesus as nothing more than a servant to us rather than the God of all creation who calls us to lay down everything and simply follow him. You see, I think for many of us in this room, we would say that, yes, I I like Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I believe in Jesus. He's my savior, but we don't follow him. Now watch this, comprehensively. There are many of us that have not gotten to the point of our lives where we say, he's it. He's the good shepherd. He knows exactly how to lead me, not in one area of my life or not in two areas of my life or not in three areas of my life, but but in every area of my life. He knows how to lead me. And so therefore, because he knows and because ultimately the good shepherd wants what's best for me and he proved that by laying down his life for me, I'm going to follow him in every area of my life. It's a simple question for you. Come in close now. I hear this. In what areas of your life this morning are you saying to Jesus, hands off? I got this part covered. I could use your help over here. Over here would be nice too, but I got this one covered. That area in which you are saying to God, I've got this area covered, is probably your biggest area where you need him the most. You see what I'm saying? And so maybe this morning for you, it's identifying that area. 
and confessing it to him, God, I've been holding on to this area of my life thinking I have it covered and I really don't. And I confess that to you. I need the good shepherd to guide me in this area, right? But not only that, confessing it to somebody else, your spouse or a a faithful follower of Jesus. So someone in your life can know that about you and, and hold you accountable and help you to follow Jesus in that area. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I know his voice and I know he wants his best for me, I'm going to let him lead me comprehensively. And now watch this, and here's where we're going to end. Since I know his voice, and I know he knows what's best for me, I know his heart, I'm going to live for his mission. Now we talk about this all the time, but let me just show you one more time. Look at what it says. Come down to the text, and, and you see what it says in, um, in verse 16. But I have other sheep. They're not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also, and, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, so I might take it up again. Now, now, come back up. But I have other sheep. Now, underline this phrase, that are not from this sheep pen. Do you know who that was? You. Me. We were sheep who were not of his sheep pen. Because you and I, we were not ancient Jews who the Jewish Messiah came to originally. We're Americans. But Jesus didn't just come for Jews, did he? He came for anyone. That's what we've been studying here in John's gospel. For all who believe. He is the light of the world. For all who believe, they will inherit eternal life. I have sheep. They're not of this sheep. And, 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 and listen, come in, come in, come here close. Come, come in, come here. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that the apostle Peter believed that? That after the ascension of Jesus, he stood up and boldly proclaimed the gospel and thousands of people that day came to faith in Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful that the half-brother of Jesus, James, believed that? At first he didn't. Because after all, if if your half-brother was walking around saying he was God, you wouldn't believe him either. But then Jesus rose from the dead. And seeing your brother die and then rise again has a way of changing your perspective about him. And James would go on to be the leader of the Jerusalem church, proclaiming the gospel of his brother, Jesus. Now, aren't you thankful that on the Damascus road, when the apostle Paul was persecuting Christians and Jesus appeared to him, that not only did Paul believe, but Paul embraced the mission of Jesus. Because here's reality. If those early apostles and those early followers of Jesus would have chosen to stay silent about the Jesus they experienced and saw die on the cross and then saw rise from the dead, you and I would not be sitting in this room this morning with the hope that we have in Christ. Jesus said, I have, I have others. They're not of this sheep pen. And those apostles, those early followers, they believed it. And they got really intentional. And, and let me, come on, you know this, but I need to tell you this, even though you know it. It's going to be a crazy week this week. And, and I would just suggest to you this week that probably this week, you might need to be a little more intentional about who you're pointing people to. You're going to be tempted to point people to Donald Trump. 
You're going to be tempted to point people to Joe Biden. And you're going to be tempted because you've been watching Fox News or CNN. You've got all the answers. But I'm promising you, I'm promising you, neither Donald Trump nor Joe Biden, neither one of them are going to save anybody from eternal hell. But there is a Savior. There is a good shepherd. There is a good shepherd that if anyone would believe in him, his sins will be forgiven, her sins will be forgiven, and you'll be given life. And so this week, I'm just going to challenge you to be intentional. There's someone this week you need to spend some extra time praying for. It's a family member, friend, that you need to own your face before God for the sake of that person's salvation. There's someone this week you need to take to coffee and just share your story with them, how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. There's someone this week, in the name of Jesus, you just need to bless them. So it might open up an opportunity for you to share the reason why you're being a blessing to them. I'm just telling you this week, in the climate in which we live, and not only this week, but every week to come, in the climate in which we live, we need to be intentional. Because there are sheep that have not been found yet. Sheep that that Jesus is inviting into his sheep pen. And so who is it for you? This morning as we close our time together, just a couple of things. One, maybe this morning for the very first time, you're hearing the voice of the shepherd call you to salvation. Maybe for the first time, you're realizing that you're that sheep that's gone astray. And you're realizing that Jesus is a shepherd who came to be the sacrificial lamb for you. That he died in your place 2,000 years ago, taking the punishment for your sins upon himself and then rose again from the dead to give you life abundant and eternal. And this morning, if you'll place your faith in him, if you'll believe, if you'll turn from your sins and confess them to him and ask him to forgive you and give him and ask him to give you life, he will. And so whether you're watching online or in this room today, let this be your day of salvation. If you're in this room and you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, I'll be down front. We'd love to talk to you about how you can do that. Or you can go one of these two crosses. In the corners of this room are two crosses. Just make your way to one of those crosses, and there'll be someone there who would love to talk to you and help you begin a relationship with Jesus. Now, for the rest of us, maybe you're here, you know. You've been in that, that sheep pen. You've, you've walked through the gate. You know he's your good shepherd. But there's that area. There's that area of your life where you're saying, hands off. And today is your day to confess that to him. To ask Jesus to help you to follow him comprehensively. Or maybe you want to come this morning and, and just gather around front and, and pray that God would help you this week to be intentional in your walk with him because there's somebody that you know who needs to be in that sheep pen and you want to come and pray for that person and ask God to give you the boldness to just open your mouth this week and share the gospel with that person who's far from him. I don't know how, God's leading you this, how God is leading you in these moments, but I know that he is. Let's pray together and you respond to his voice. Father, thank you for this morning and thank you for time together uh, in your word. And thank you, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. And Father, I believe, I believe Jesus, the good shepherd right now, is calling people to place their faith in him for the very first time. And so, Father, I pray that there'll be, be people in this room this morning that will walk through the gate of Jesus Christ and trust in you and give their lives to you in faith. And Father, For those of us who belong to you, who are followers of yours, Father, help us. Help us to follow you like you want us to because we know that you know what's best for us. And and so, Father, those areas in our lives where we're saying, hands off, help us to confess those things to you this morning and help us to ask your spirit to help us to follow you comprehensively. 
Father, for people we know and love that are without Christ, may today be a day that we make a decision to be intentional. Intentional to bless someone this week, to pray, to open our mouths. Help us right now to respond to your word in faith and obedience. In Jesus' name, amen.